0: It's the all new Biz Women Rock. What? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. That's right. You heard that right you are entering the realm of a brand new Biz Women Rock podcast. Like we've had a major makeover here at BWR. And rather than giving you a long explanation as to what the new format is and why it's here, I'm just going to shut up and let you experience it. You ready? Coming up on today's show, we have Andy Graham with Big C, a digital marketing company, talking about how she went through a merger and everything she experienced, the good and the bad from that experience. And she's talking about how you can create recurring revenue if you have a service-based business. Great story. Then we'll be jumping into our Money Moxie segment where we'll have the founders of Synergistic Funding talking about the top things that you need to know about getting outside funding for your business. And lastly, we'll be going into our product and tool review. And today I'm going to be reviewing Google Keep and how you can use it to get your butt organized. All right, well, not your butt, you know, but your business and your life. It's awesome. You'll love it. And I've even done an entire video tutorial on how Google Keep works. So pay attention towards the end of that to get the link where you can access it. So let's do this. First up, biz women on the move. Biz Women on the Move is here so we can highlight the phenomenal accomplishments of all the community members who are part of the Biz Women Rock community. We're starting off by highlighting Stephanie Bennett. There is a quick backstory to Stephanie that I want to make sure that you know before you hear this segment. So when I very first started back in 2014, the very first email that I got from a listener was from a woman named Stephanie. Stephanie. And like a very bad driver, I was pulling this email up on my phone in my car, and within the first sentence, I knew that I needed to pull over. So I pulled over, and I read Stephanie's email about how the very first episode that she listened to, which was episode number one with Joy Jen Dusa, who's the founder of Postcard Mania, how it completely changed her life. And she just spoke very eloquently and and so beautifully – and it was so complimentary of her experience with the podcast and how it touched her. And I was so grateful for it that I cried my eyeballs out. So it is such an honor to feature Stephanie Bennett of Stephanie Bennett Makeup on today's Biz Women on the Move segment.
1: Hi, Katie. So awesome connecting with you today. I'm glad I saw the video. I was actually it was actually really something I needed. I think I'm actually a little different than the majority of your followers. I'm not as much of a super hardcore entrepreneur business owner, or maybe that's just me being insecure. I'm not sure. But I do get really excited by the idea of creating my own success, however that may be. So you kind of asked for an update. What I was wanting to do when I wrote you was start a business grounded in the wedding industry by designing invitations, RSVPs, save the dates, et cetera, any paper goods. I started from nothing when I started listening to your podcast, but it didn't take long for me to look forward to your podcast every day, and I jumped on the train with Natalie as well. I remember listening to that episode with Joy, and my heart was racing, and I often felt that way when I was listening to your podcast. And at that time, I was listening. I was a mom of a two-year-old, and I was engaged planning my wedding. So I had a lot of ideas, but I didn't really start implementing them until I was married. But just a month after I was married, I started getting my design business going. For me, it was nice because being a designer, I could quickly put together logo, business cards, etc. I started a Facebook page, opened my Etsy page, and got to work. Any downtime at work, I spent designing and sharing my work with my Facebook followers. I did some giveaways through Facebook ads, which helped a little as far as followers, but when it came down to actually making sales, it just wasn't happening. I would really get down about it at times and question what I was doing, but I kept pushing. One day, I took my son to see Inside Out and saw the lava short at the beginning, and I just fell in love with it. I thought it would be something a lot of people would like. At the time, I was pregnant with my second. And I thought the lyrics would make for a cute wall hanging in a nursery or something. So I went home and made a little graphic with the lyrics on it and I posted it to my Etsy. To my surprise, it took off. I made my first sale and another and another and another. This was last July 2015. I soon took down my other products from Etsy and just had this listing. I added two more versions and all three were selling great, especially from Christmas to Valentine's Day. So in August, I made a decision on something I have thought of a lot in the past. At one time, I was going to go to cosmetology school, but I didn't, I decided to go to college instead. I don't regret going to college, but I do wish I had my cosmetology license because I have always had a passion in beauty and it has never gone away. In the last five years, my love for makeup has grown exponentially. I was having friends and family asking to do their weddings, and I loved it so much, even more than design. So in August, even though I was due with my second son, in just two months, I started my MUA business. I wanted to go harder on this one than my design business. This one took a much more monetary investment, but I told myself if I didn't jump and make the investment, I might back out and start to question myself. So I just went for it in such a way that I couldn't quit because I had already put in too much money that we don't have. So I had my son in November, and I really vamped up my game while I was on maternity leave. I launched my website, stephaniebennettmakeup.com, and was marketing and doing the best I could while caring for a newborn. Fast forward to now, I have at least one wedding a month for the rest of the year, and some months I even have two or three. I'm really focusing on 2017 since I have a lot of brides planning right now. I have a goal of two weddings a month for the 2017 year. I'm getting an incredible response from family and friends and new followers all the time in my MUA business. I focus on Facebook and Instagram since what I do is highly visual. I still sell my posters on Etsy that have flown down quite a bit, but I still get a few sales a week. I'm working full-time at Adidas, a different job than when I first started listening to your podcast, which is a blessing for us as a growing family. Right now, my MUA business serves as supplemental income and also just what I love to do. My husband is a practical man. When I started investing in this, um, we were preparing on our second son. It really made him nervous. But as I am booking all the time, he has really jumped on board with me and has even bought me a new chair for Mother's Day for clients to sit in so it doesn't hurt my back to lean down for hours. He told me the other night how proud he is of me for getting this up and running, and we're both really excited to see where it goes. So that's where I am now. Overall, I'm glad I switched my focus. It would be a dream to do this full-time, and I hope to get there one day. I even had the amazing opportunity to do a photo shoot at work. And working for Adidas is one thing, but doing a photo shoot for Adidas was such an exciting day for me. So, I know I'm on a much smaller scale than so many of the amazing, amazing women that follow you, but I still do get a great deal of information and help from the group, even at my level. I'm still building, but I'm very excited to see where I will be in a year. Thank you so much for everything you do I can't begin to tell you how much it has truly changed my life. I started all of this because I stumbled onto your podcast one day, and I never want to turn back. I love seeing how Biz Women Rock has grown as well. It is so amazing.
0: Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Stephanie, for giving us such a great update. Uh, You definitely are in the category of everyone who's a part of the Biz Women Rock community who are super drivers and are making the choices and taking the actions on the things that are important to them in this world, which is what we're here for, what we're doing. So uh, big congratulations to you, girl. If you want to find out more about Stephanie's business, make sure to visit her at stephaniebennettmakeup.com. That's Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, Bennett is B-E-N-N-E-T-T, (laughs) makeup.com. My guest today is Andy Graham. She's the co-founder of a company called Big C. It's a digital marketing agency that's based down in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her and meeting her in person in her office, which is super cool, by the way. During this interview, she discusses the process that she went through uh, for a merger of her company. She and another company just had a merger at the beginning of 2016. She talks about how that came about, what she did to make that transition successful uh, and what challenges she's had in that. She also discusses very candidly what she's done to deal with the challenges of having to grow as an entrepreneur and having to grow as a businesswoman and, and kind of having to expand beyond what's comfortable for her. She absolutely talks in depth about what it means to run an agency type of a business. So if you're listening and you have you provide services and you want to create an agency or you have an agency where your uh, your revenue is based off of like projects that you do for your clients, she talks very intelligently about how to structure that and how to create recurring revenue out of that model, which is really interesting. And then lastly, she discusses how she and what kind of things she does to fulfill herself and make sure that she shows up to be an amazing leader in her business every day. So I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation with Andy. She was amazing, totally blew my mind away, and I loved meeting her in person. Here we go. Thank you so much for taking some time. Sure. I appreciate it. I'm glad that Kim reached out to me. So um, talk to me statistics-wise so I kind of have uh, know where I'm coming in. How big is this company? 22 right now. 22. Gotcha. Actually, we just hired 23. Come on. And we have two other positions open. So... Okay, so and um, Kim was telling me that you guys merged with Think Tank. We did back yep. in January. Mm-hmm. So what did your company look like before that, and what like why did you do the merger? So we were eleven before that,
2: okay. um, but running basically the same exact business, and they were ten running the same exact business. Gotcha. Um, when we merged, we um, we've lost some people and hired some people, so it's balanced out numbers-wise to be exactly where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're maybe one up, one or two now. Okay. Um, and adding. Obviously, one or two more, um, but uh, you know, statistically, we're we're pretty much exactly the same. So, Big C um, started in 2005, um, is when I actually officially registered the name. Um, but in 2000, the summer of 2009 was when I actually opened an office and like hired employees, so it had like wow. a payroll and stuff. Gotcha. So, um, so seven years ago now, and uh, think tank had started four years ago. Um, we had grown and grown, um, and Joe and I, uh, my my new partner, um, his kids and his his son and my daughter have been going to school together the last four years. Oh, so class, right when they started other. the the business, yeah, which I didn't know at the time. Um, so he and I actually started. I go to it started. It stemmed from um, I was invited to a an agency owner's sort of private. Camp that runs three times a year around the country and they invite people who run digital agencies and you have to have at least 10 employees and, um, you know, certain longevity in the industry and things like that. And I went to one two years ago or three years ago now um, and I came back with just, it was only like 25, you know, agencies represented so it was a really small private group we talked about everything i mean it was all on the table you mm-hmm. know so it was like how much do you pay people to how much are you making what are your what are your rates it was right. also how do you handle xyz and it was just right. so helpful um, and we're in an industry that is uniquely, you know, sort of comes from open source being yeah. a, being a thing we do. Yeah. Um, and so it was really neat to see the agency owners embrace open source as a method of running a business. Um, and I loved it. So I reached out to Joe and I said, you know, I went to this camp. I think it would be awesome if you and I got together once a month and talked about all the things that we're dealing with that are unique to our position. Because we can't talk about those things with our employees. Yeah. Like I, I have no one even in my group of friends who specifically runs a business, sure, but, like, running an agency in a service-level business that's yeah. time and materials, that's, you know, these things that we deal with. Um, so he and I started having lunch. We called it a co-commiseration, and we would <laughs> both, like... We'd, we'd celebrate, you know, we'd talk about cool things we were doing and things that were going on, but we would also, you know, complain about these are the hard things, how are you dealing with them, um, and help each other work through solutions. Um, he has a very different approach to running the business than I did. I was, okay. you know, I am a practitioner, so I came from, I designed, I developed, I write, I, you know, I have a, a degree in communications, um, I have a master's in communications, I research the stuff, so I was very hands-on involved with the projects themselves. Um, whereas he is a business guy, right? So he's running a business. And so he had a team that executed, he just ran the business and it was such a nice, like I needed that. I needed that sort of breath of, Oh yeah, this is a business. I need
0: to think about those aspects too. And not just, are we putting out the best product? Right, right, right. Did you start implementing that stuff right away? Like, and did you notice a big change in how your company was growing with that with those implementations after you would chat with him?
2: So some of that came from owner camp as well. I got a big slap in the face from one particular agency who I worship um, in Boston that um, really talked about the hard financials and the numbers and how they managed their decision-making. And I was like wow, this is not, I just like feel busy. So I hire someone, you know, there wasn't any like forecasting It was just like completely, you know, just off the cuff. And so, um, you know, yeah, so Joe came in and so he'd help me deal. uh, He really gave me good solutions for, for stepping outside my emotional being and sort of handling things in a in a way that I might not have otherwise. So so yeah, um, I, I had a really tough summer last summer, but you know, we do a lot of project work mm-hmm. um, and there are there's feast or famine with project work. So it's up and it's down. And so when you're down and you're sort of working on all the biz dev stuff that goes with it, but you're still trying, I'm still a practitioner and I'm, I'm right. deep in it. Um, we, I just, I had a rough time. So I was, I, 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 when Joe and I started talking about the potential of a, a partnership or a merger, I just felt this like oh, it won't be me in the trenches having those sleepless nights myself anymore. I'll have partners, I'll have this group and you know I'm probably one of the only people in the world who's always wished I had a partner, you know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think partnerships are just the worst situation, but I mean even the difficult conversations we've had have led to better outcomes than anything I could have done on my own so far.
0: What did you guys do to make sure that it was a good partnership? Like when you, when you really started saying, like talking seriously about, okay, we're really going to do this. It's a marriage and you know, big time. what kind of stuff did you guys do? Like logistically to prepare, to make sure that you knew that it was going to be a success. Nothing. I'd love to to say that we did a lot more due
2: diligence than we did, but um, my accountant was like, you need to look at his financials. You need to have all this, you know, due diligence you need to, and et cetera. So we shared some of that stuff, but we had talked about all of it already, you know, and so we kind of, it was a level of trust. It was the same thing with a marriage. It was, do you innately trust me and that I'm doing the best I can? Yes, I do. Do you innately trust that we can be successful together? Yes. You know, was it was, you have to have that. Yeah. Um, and so I think once that's there, all the little other stuff sort of can fall into place, especially if you have the same set of values, right? So we, you know, just, so our kids go to a private Montessori school, which is a really hippy dippy, you know, <laughs> esoteric sort of method of learning. So or, you know,
0: right away you sort of have right? like some so, foundational core exactly. things in common.
2: Yeah, gotcha. Exactly. So there, there's definitely, um, some, yeah, some values that surround even making that life choice. So, um, so, you know, we came into it knowing that we value our people, we value doing good in the community. We value, you know, being good stewards of, of our earth and the planet and of our, our, you know, the people around us. And that, you know, I mean, you look at our office, it's a fun, we want to love the place we work. We want to work with people we love to work with. We wanted to build a workplace that we want to come to every day, you know? And so, um, so we knew that stuff going into it um you know we sat down and we put our our org charts next to each other right so we said we have these people and it literally just went together like a glove i mean they just fit together and we there was no question of sort of where people would go or who would be under whom or who would be run this or run that it was just like yep you've got this you've got this he's got this strength and we were just it was like a puzzle it just
0: it was perfect so it's cool so I'm making the assumption that with this pretty big move, I mean, there's been pretty big expansion in your business because not only have you expanded in team members, but you've expanded in projects Mm -hmm. and you've expanded in sort of how the structure of the business is. How has that challenged you personally, like as a leader, as the the you know, the owner running the company as Mm -hmm. the practitioner, you know, needing to kind of step out Mm -hmm. a lot more than you normally were? Like, how has that really challenged you and how have you like hit that challenge head on? So that's a, that's a great question. And that's, I think that's, we're
2: still figuring that out, you know, so we're only December, January, February, March, April, five months in now. Um, and, and I think that You know, at first there was a lot of tension and whose process are we adopting and which way are we gonna go and why aren't they doing it the way we've always done it sort of a thing that that took a lot of um, push and pull. I think everybody on our team has just responded fantastically and been very flexible with, uh, we understand that this is gonna be tough, let's push through and figure out what the best way forward is. Um, But for me, it's been just, I, you know, so having been the business owner and solo business owner, I was the manager of everybody on my team. I was running development, I was running design, I was running marketing, I was running the business, I was making financial decisions, forecasting, I was doing all the business development stuff. I was doing a lot of our own marketing. Um, And I was, I look back now, and I can't even, Fathom that I was doing that, you know, that I was like even managing that stuff because now I took on the role of CMO and I'm still helping with some biz dev stuff, but for the most part, I'm running marketing and I'm running design, which are the things I love. Like I love content. I love communication. I love design. And I've got a technical partner who runs tech, and I don't have to care about what our technical solutions nice. are. I know he's got that. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I you know I know enough coding to, to do front end development, some WordPress stuff, not enough to do the, the big stuff we do. We do a lot of big stuff. Um, and then Joe runs the business. Like He deals with our profitability and our revenue and all, most of our business development. And he's out networking and making connections all the time, looking for opportunities for us to get into different sorts of revenue streams. Um, And, and he's also one that says yes to a lot of things where I would have said, I'm so overwhelmed because I'm doing all these different roles. I can't say yes to this because I can't fully commit to it. Right. Whereas he, because he can remove himself from execution is able to say, yes, this is a good idea. Let's do it you guys figure out how to make it happen. And I like that because um, I was not, I don't think I was taking risks quite enough, you know, with that sort of thing. Cause I'd I'd start thinking logistically, how are we going to do this? I've only got these people. We've got all these projects coming in, you know, how is this going to happen? So, um, so it's been good. There's been, there's been tension, there's been, you know, growth. I think all of us have a commitment to, to, to the partnership, obviously we have to, like we're in this. Um, and so it's been a, every time we have problems, it's, it's let's figure out the best way forward. It's, it's very solution oriented. So it's been really good.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about what you were talking about before, about the fact that you are an agency and you are a service-based business. Mm -hmm. How do you manage that within yourself as a leader of this company? Meaning it is an up and down business. I mean, you're constantly Mm -hmm. out there making sales and it's a It's a one and done sale for the most part, or are you working on ways to be able to automate income for repeating um, services and stuff like that? Talk a little bit about where your focus is on that.
2: So we, we became partners of HubSpot. Are you familiar with HubSpot? It's a a marketing automation platform. Um, It's a, it's an all in one marketing automation platform. So email landing pages, web design, blogging, um, contact management, it's got a CRM built into it, you know, all these different things. So um, HubSpot, we became partners in uh, two years ago now in April for the sole purpose of we, had, we were building websites, walking away, and clients would ask us all the time, can you help us with blogging? Can you help us with social media? Can you help us with marketing? Um, and we didn't have a team to do it. So I actually saw this as an opportunity to build some retainer based income because that's the income where people pay monthly and yep. that can cover you. So, um, I set a goal for myself to cover payroll with retainer based income by the year 2016. We we're not quite there mostly because our re- payroll has doubled.
0: <laughs> minor, yeah. minor uh, detail. <laughs> yeah. it's
3: a small thing, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: But we're pretty close and, and that is a huge load off because even yeah. if this project work doesn't go through, but it totally does. We have a million projects, but, um, even if that stuff is slow, we always have the marketing stuff, and the marketing stuff, which is really nice, um, we've got retainers that range from twenty five hundred a month up to ten thousand dollars a month, and so right. it's just money that comes in every month that we don't worry about. And I've got a team that I can I can hire based on that. Versus, I feel like we're busy. You know, do we need <laughs> another developer? I'm not sure. Once so. again, you've
0: gone from like intuitive yeah. business owner to yeah. like strategic exactly. numbers based at business yeah. owner. That's, that's awesome. But I yeah. think that's interesting because that's uh, so many businesswomen have service-based businesses and so mm-hmm. what I mean I'm gathering from that your advice to them would be find something where your clients asking you for more work yes and see if you can create some sort of a recurring structure exactly
2: of yeah and the, and the truth is we we took we actually took some numbers back to clients as well and said listen you spent you know $17,000 with us last year at this hourly rate you know our normal hourly rate what if I divided that up by 12 and gave you an hourly rate of you know $25 less per hour but you pay it up front every month, use it or lose it, you know, etc. And 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 turned it around on them and said, you could spend less money, get more work out of us. Um, and we actually use that as an opportunity as well to do proactive site maintenance and security updates and optimization and, you know, performance updates that helps with their SEO and all those things. So instead Beautiful. of them, because they don't think of those things, right? They just think, can you add this or change this picture out or do this? Whereas we're saying, listen, we can decrease your load time if we just spend these three hours doing this. And so... By doing some simple just auditing and and keeping on top of those things, we fill any hours that they're not asking us to fill, but it's also benefiting them in ways they wouldn't have thought of themselves. So,
0: What advice would you give to any businesswoman who is running a service-based business? Maybe she's doing it herself right now. Maybe Mm -hmm. she has one or two other people who are part of her team. What would you say that she could do to differentiate herself in a marketplace because you're in a space where there's a lot of other digital marketing agencies mm-hmm. there's a lot and you know it, it is very it, and you're sitting here saying like we have business out the wazoo I mean we don't have a shortage of yeah. on business now you're doing your work to go get that business but what advice would you give? You're not, no, not. <laughs> she's shaking your head. Yeah. No,
2: we, okay. yeah. we don't do, we don't do enough marketing. Okay. All,
0: so what so. are you doing? Right. That you could give advice to for sure. other business women, whether they're doing it themselves or whether they have a team working behind them to create an agency or to create a service-based business. What mm-hmm. are you doing? Right. That is getting business to your door.
2: I think that we, a, we set up our projects for success. So we don't take on projects where something seems like it's going to be difficult or nebulous or the client doesn't, we don't have our expectations are not the same. So we, understand that there's an alignment of vision that happens in the beginning of a relationship. And if we're there, we try to keep that there. So, um, we, um, so, so your client relationship is everything, right? So knowing that, um, the client expectations are met. So a lot of project management, um, traditional project management sorts of things come in hand there. So, always making sure clients know what to expect and when to expect it, following through on the things you say you will do, answering the phone when they call, answering emails responsibly. And if you know, we have a 24 hour turnaround max, if somebody's emailing under the blue, um, uh, we've got, you know, a lot of things around sort of how we structure our relationships with our clients um, that, you know, didn't we didn't start with that. It's just always been a natural thing, um, but we've now structured that as we've grown so that people know when they come in, this is how we deal with these things and how we expect to deal with them. Um, so there's that. I would also say that... Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, so a lot of doing what you say you're going to do, a lot of um, making sure, again, the being a proactive partner, especially in digital agencies, people don't know what they don't know. And so when you can come to the table with really good ideas, um, peop- a-, a lot of our clients, I'll just use this as a for instance, but a lot of our clients think that they can write their own copy for their website, but they don't understand that copy is not just writing paragraphs of copy for an about us page. There's what we call microcopy, there's headlines, there's call-outs, there's the messaging that goes behind the goal orientation of your users. What are they actually looking for and how do you provide those answers? There's, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into thinking about those things that clients don't, can't do. Like they, they literally can't do it. And so they might think they can, but you'll always know a website that was written by a client versus written by a professional who understands the goals of the website. Got it. um, That's a big one. So, looking for opportunities to sort of be a consultant above just a provider. We're not just a, we don't provide commodities. We don't build websites. We provide, we build a digital strategy to communicate for a client. So, that's a big distinction. Yeah. A very big distinction. Yeah.
0: So I want to conclude with, um, something that I think is very personal and very powerful. I, I would really like to know, and I know other women listening to this would love to know, what do you do for yourself to make sure that you're the best to show up here every day? Like what kind of things do you integrate into your life? What kind of person are you? What kind of things do you make sure to, you know, um, what habits do you have Mm -hmm. to make yourself feel like you can walk in the store every day and really kick butt?
2: That's a great question. Um, I go to the gym almost every day, and I can't admit the days I don't go, I am far worse person for it. <laughs> I have less energy. I'm in the, you know, and I never thought that would be true of myself. Yeah. It's been like five years or so that I've been, I used to run, and I kind of liked it, whatever, and then I started a new routine, and I'm. it's like, it's that. So finding time for yourself, I get up, I go to the gym at 5 a.m., so it's, that's, you know, I've got a seven-year-old, so I leave the office every day at 5, 5.30 at the latest, you know, every now and then I'm here later, but not very frequently, and so I do, make sure there's time for my family and and time for me to do what I need to do, even if that means I'm back on the the computer after she goes to bed or whatever that is. Um, And my weekends are my weekends. Like, I take my weekends. That's it. You know, I want to go to the beach and I want to hang out with friends and I want to go hiking or I want to go do something. So So you can um, feel
0: refreshed when you come back in here.
2: Exactly. I mean, I love what I do every single day, but you have to step away from these things as well. So um, you can't take everything personally and take it home with you every night. So Yeah,
0: love it. Andy, thank you so much for your time. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's fun. Brilliant. Just brilliant, right? Like the girl is a flipping rock star. I just loved her. She is amazing and just super smart. Uh, I mean, how much of a difference would it make in your business if you had recurring revenue coming in to where you didn't have to worry about the basic kind of nut of your business every single month? Like you didn't have to recreate that every month. So it is definitely worth the time to go through. Ask yourself where you might be able to find uh, that that income. Just Andy was fantastic. I hope you really enjoyed it. Sitting in her office was like sitting in Google. Uh, not like I've ever sat in Google before, but you know it definitely felt like this new age, high, um, you know, highly creative. There's a dog running around. <laughs> um, just really innovative company and you could tell what a difference that made in their performance and their happiness level there everyone was just so cool so happy there so i had such a great time with her um and i just i hope that you got a lot of great stuff out of there really excited to hear how you implement it welcome to money moxie where you go to know your dough That's right, you've entered the realm of money moxie because girl, you need to know your dough. The reason I created this segment is because we as biz women tend to completely shove the money part aside in our business talks. Even if we ourselves are very money savvy and financially aware, uh, it is rarely talked about the ins, the outs, the realness of the uh, finances of a business and what we need to do. And because there's a lot of fear behind the fact that we're not doing it right or we're not doing it well or maybe we're not bringing in enough money and we're scared to say all of that. So the Money Moxie segment is here to give you very tangible, digestible pieces of information uh, that you can take back and use to educate yourself about how to become smarter and smarter about not only managing your money, but making those darn dollars grow. Today's segment is brought to you by Synergistic Funding, your source for anything you need to finance your business. I'm here with Naeem Hamdar and Kayor Patel of Synergistic Funding. Guys, give it to me. Please give me an amazing tip that any businesswoman can use if she's looking for outside funding for her business.
3: Hey, Katie, I think one of the biggest keys is understanding where you are in the business lifecycle. We equate that to here at Synergistic Funding, very similar to as you evolve in the human life cycle. So as a a young kid, your infancy and then your toddler stages, where are you in the business life cycle? Think by having an understanding of where you are there, that opens up the types of funding options that are available for you. And keeping in mind the goal of getting to the level of maximization.
0: Awesome. So to find out more, you can go to synergisticfunding.com. Welcome to Money Moxie, where you go to know your dough. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Naeem Hamdar and Kheor Patel, two very good friends of mine who own Synergistic Funding. And I have known Naeem and Kaor for a couple of years now. They're actually, um, we got acquainted through our local organization, the Tampa Bay Business Owners, um, and our Edison Council. And... Um, Throughout these years, they have just proven to me as people who are very trustworthy, people who know what they're talking about when it comes to business financing. Um, because I got to be honest with you, when it when we're in that space of business financing, it can get really hairy and you know, kind of the shysters are a dime a dozen. So these guys have proven over and over again to me that they're amazing and the people I've sent over to them have had amazing results. So guys, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. Oh, thanks, thanks for you having kidding. us. So um, I want to start with a couple of things. This is our Money Moxie series. And the reason that I have you on here is because it's so important for a businesswoman to really take control of her finances and her business. And I got to be honest with you. There are many, many kind of... um, Uh, let's say, heroic figures in the business world that make it seem like a shoestring budget is the only way to build your business. And so if you kind of take on that belief system, you forget about the fact that there actually are some really powerful financial tools out there that can help your business, which is why I wanted you guys on here. So we're going to start just by having you guys kind of define and go through a couple of the major types of funding that are available out there for businesses awesome
4: awesome sounds good
3: Katie yeah I mean you know there are certainly a lot of different funding options and we certainly provide uh, the majority of those that exist Um, some of the most common that we're seeing that a lot of folks are not even aware of are um, basically some of our unsecured lines of credit we offer some for whether they're just right out the gate and they're starting their business or if they're you know maybe they've been in business for a year or so and they they have some cash flow but they're not quite bankable yet uh, we have some pretty good products when it comes to getting them the access to additional funding um, in the form of a line of credit, uh, which gives them the access and not the the necessity to have to pay on something that they might not be using right away, right? So if it's you know securing say a hundred thousand dollars for the future or for the anticipation of future growth, it's much better it's a much better structure than getting a term loan that you're paying on today. And even though you're not using the proceeds for quite some time, so those are we have some pretty unique um, types of lines of credit. Uh, some are unsecured, and some are secured by you know some collateral, maybe inventory um, or you know a property or some something like that. But the one that's really common is our unsecured line of credit. That is a cash flow based product. Mm-hmm. Um, and meaning that,
0: meaning that, you know, in order to be approved, they're really looking at what the cash flow is of your business.
3: Correct. Yep. And the beauty of that is the flexibility on, on the, the credit threshold, meaning, you know, a lot of people we deal with have some lingering effects from the downturn in the economy, um, whether it was a short sale or, or, you know, overexposure on on credit cards, whatever it is. The beauty of this product is it can go down to as low as 560. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And um And the cap on it, as far as dollar amounts, is you know it's up to one hundred thousand, but it it can be done literally in inside of seven minutes.
0: So just to just to make sure I'm I'm understanding, kind of the definition is that somebody can apply for a line of credit, and let's say they want to get fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, you know, and they get approved for that. They don't have to use that right away, but applying for it now and getting approved for it now can can be great because it can be there if they need it down the road and they don't start paying anything on it until they start using it right
4: yeah that's exactly correct katie and and the the nice thing about that product is you know if you go to a typical bank to get a line of credit you're going to see that a bank is not going to be able to do anything for you unless you're at least three years in business right 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 so this is a hybrid of that but it has a different twist to it right with with a typical banking line of credit you're going to pay interest uh, immediately whether you use the money or not use the money right and, and you're going to have some annual fees and you're going to have all kinds of different stuff with this product you have no annual fees you have uh, you, you don't pay anything until you start to actually use it so it kind of mm-hmm. like sits in the clouds and w- when you get in that situation let's say you're, you're, you're you don't have enough money to make that payroll or you need to buy these products that uh, for, are, are out for a really great deal but you need the cash to do it you know, it would be a great time to tap into that line of credit, access it. Each pool has a six month payback, and the interest and the principal are paid back monthly. So it's very easy for you to pay it back, and it makes it very easy for you to use.
0: Awesome. I love that. Okay. What about the next one, K.R.? Talk a little bit about the next type of funding
3: option. So the next one that we see, you know, a lot of are, are different types of term loans. You know, when we think of term loans, people think that. It can. It's only. It's going to be obviously a you know a fixed rate and it's over X duration of time and they have monthly payments. Well, that that is the ideal situation. We have you know a couple different term loan options that um, borrowers can fit into based on you know one is obviously the credit to the cash flow or annual gross sales and then time in business. But some of them offer daily or even weekly payments as well. That maybe it's you know not a seasoned business but someone who is cash flowing. Um, can take advantage of, but they do have maybe again lingering credit issues or something from the downturn that is still kind of you know haunting them to some extent that shouldn't be, a lot of these borrowers they feel that they wouldn't qualify for some of these products, but in actuality when we take in you know our intake process and we get the application we have you know we're able to identify that okay you you could qualify for this, and it is a monthly payment um and and something that could work for you, similar to a bank, but you know the cost might just be a little bit higher.
0: Gotcha. Excellent. How about the next one?
3: Um, the next one that we see a lot of for growing businesses, again, for folks that would not qualify for bank financing mainly because of time in business, um, is a hybrid between what we call purchase order financing and accounts receivable financing. Really quickly, the, the difference or the, the, the definition on the purchase order side is, say you have a business owner that is selling a retail product and they're doing fantastic with it, and all of a sudden they get an op- opportunity to sell their product to a bigger chain, maybe a supermarket or or a, you know a, a larger retailer.
0: When Walmart comes knocking, right? Exactly,
3: <laughs> that's a great example because yes. when Walmart comes knocking, they want order of you know hundred thousand units. Right. For, they don't want five thousand or, or something small. And what happens in that situation is we can come in and, and it's all the due diligence is is predicated or you know, based on who the um, the vendor is in this case, so when it's Walmart, we know that they're they're going to pay and they're not going to default on on that purchase order, so we can actually help the the business owner obtain the financing necessary to fulfill that order and it's uh, basically just a discount rate that's that's caught you know that's, um, that is assessed uh, based on the margin so for example, it may cost them one percent um, over the 90 day period that it takes to to fulfill that order.
0: Gotcha. So I want to make sure that this is pointed out. So someone who gets purchase order financing, you them getting approved for the purchase order financing has nothing to do with their own credit or their own business credit. has everything to do with the reliability of the credit of the person that is ordering from them, right? Correct.
3: That is the majority of it. There, There is still going to be a little bit of, you know, a due diligence on the borrower themselves, meaning the client. But yes, to your point, the majority of that, I mean, we can overcome a down, you know, a lower credit from the borrower, it could be offset by the, uh, the strength of the um, account debtor, in this case Walmart or, or the large retailer.
0: That's awesome. Yep. So how does that mix with the, um, with the factoring? I mean, you mentioned that those two are sort of a hybrid.
3: Yeah, so they typically go hand in hand because what happens is the client needs to raise the money in order to fulfill the order. And then what happens at that point, once the, the goods or, or services are delivered, um, that invoice is generated, and say Walmart now has your typical thirty days to to pay that invoice. Well, what happens in that situation for the, from the um, the lender 's perspective is they need to con- kind of control that transaction so that they can make sure that they receive the money from Walmart at that point, right and so they assess you know whatever their discount rate is on that side as well, and these are all different, but on average, it could be anywhere from one to three percent of the invoice. So if it's, you know, $100,000 invoice, it may, it may cost them anywhere from 1000 to $3,000. Um, and that, that I'm just giving you, a, you know, an out-of-the-box example. But that's um, where it comes in because they would essentially take back the amount that's owed to them and then release the difference to the, uh, the client, in this case, our client, the, the borrower.
0: Gotcha. Cool. All right. Now, is there one more that you guys had that you wanted to talk about?
3: Yeah, I think um I think one that's good to mention is is going to be, you know, the SBA uh, programs. Um majority of the clients we get, they always want something along uh, of what the SBA program would offer. And you know, from the the back end, the definition side of that, the SBA programs are good because the the bank or the entity that's loaning the money is not loaning 100% of that. Typically they're in it for half of it. It's kind of secured or or in other words, a guarantee, kind of, by the government that kind of backs that loan.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but with that being said, there's also a lot, a lot more due diligence and a lot more um, credit worthiness from the borrower that needs to take place in order for for that type of structure to be created. Yes, on the from the cost and rate standpoint, it is the most favorable. But you have also have to understand that some of them take you know enormous amounts of time, and in many cases, our borrowers are already coming to us when they need the money. And waiting 60, 90, 120 days, you know, we have one right now that we've already started in January is wow. for just, just under a million dollars. And um, this guy's not necessarily in a rush and he qualifies for these terms, but we're looking at close to four months now that and we still haven't closed it, you know, so we're wow. still still trying to do that. But. So that, that's
0: a that's an option if someone has time and they can they can really dig in deep to that process.
3: Absolutely. And there are some flexibilities on there. There are what we call micro SBA loans. So some people think that they have to they can only qualify for that if it's a X dollar, if it's, you know, five hundred thousand or more or something like that. But we have a micro SBA program that can go Quite frankly, as little as five thousand uh, up to two hundred and fifty thousand. Hmm. Um, many people don't take advantage when it's that low, but generally, if it's you know like thirty thousand or more, it still is a potential viable option because from the cost standpoint, we can we can fix those rates um, pretty aggressively.
0: Awesome. Now, you guys provide a lot of other different types of business financing. And so I'm going to have you guys, every one of you guys listening to go to synergisticfunding.com to go check them out. I want to go ahead and we have some Q&A. We have some questions that came from uh, the Biz Women Rock Facebook group. I put the the question out there earlier today, letting everyone know I was interviewing you guys. And I got some really awesome questions that they wanted to know. So are you guys ready? This is like hot seat questions. (laughs) All right. So Jessica Rhodes uh, who has interview connections she asks if a business needs a line of credit should they get a business credit card a line of credit at the bank or something else
3: so that's a good question Um, we offer pretty much all of those so it really depends on the, the the cliche answer you're gonna probably hear is it depends right so that it does depend on a couple of factors in her case how fast how much and you know what is the current credit situation look like from a personal standpoint, and you know revenue wise, roughly what are you doing? You know what are you processing or what are you generating on a monthly basis? Um, and then secondary to that is it's basically what are you going to use the proceeds for? That that's a, a huge part of the answer because based on an existing business, again we can probably secure. Um, a good majority of what she might be looking for within minutes on an unsecured line of credit, mm-hmm. based on the margins and based on what she would use those proceeds for, a bank line or a credit card type of structure may also be advantageous. So we would just need to, you know, to understand a little bit more, um, you know, the variables to, to to help her figure that out.
0: K. or this is going to be a newbie question, but what is the difference between an unsecured line of credit and a secured line of credit? Go ahead, or Go ahead. naeem <laughs>
4: Okay, so so an unsecured business line of credit is, is basically n- not leveraging anything but your personal credit, right?
0: Gotcha. Okay.
4: And then w- when you secure it with something like you're either securing it with real estate, equipment, you, you know, you, you're inventory. securing it with, with inventory, you, you know, so, something that holds value, which the lender could turn around and. Uh, sell that for, for for their loan back.
0: So you're going to get a better percentage, probably, or you know, like a better rate. You're
4: always, yeah, you're you're always going to get something, get, get a better rate when there's something to leverage. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: We're going to jump to Charlene Burke, who asks a great question, um, and we've sort of addressed this before, but I want to just be really zoned into answering this. She asks, "What is a minimum level of funding that you guys do?" and recommend for small businesses, and what do, you, what do you guys consider to be a small business, and how do you view solo business owners working completely online?
4: To, to answer your question, in regards to Charlene, um, we design our company to help every single business owner, whether from you're a startup or you've been in business for generations. And you know, within all that, there's a mix of product. So what we define as a, solopreneur, small business, you know, I mean, you get, for, for our smaller loans, you have to do a minimum of $4,500 in a three-month period.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so that's very doable by most businesses.
4: Right. Gotcha. I mean, obviously, when, when you're doing that little uh, bit of income, you know, there, there's only so much that we can uh, leverage in order to, well, you, you only have the capability to pay back a, a small smaller loan
0: right right well but that makes sense but i think that that makes it approachable for everyone even if they are just getting started and then you can start you know getting your business access to that financing so um all right we'll jump to the next question um lee karaher asks she said there's a lot going on now about shark investors who put really bad terms deep into the bowels of contracts what should we as businesswomen be looking out for
3: that's a good question, and and you're, we're we're seeing a rise in that as well. Uh, I think the there's two two parts to that. One is finding the right funding source, which obviously I'm biased here, but it's us because <laughs> we're not that one trick pony that offers or pushes their sole product on people, right? So that's a lot of what we see. A lot of times we get clients that come in come to us after they've made that wrong decision. They they've taken a merchant cash advance, which is essentially a shark type of uh, structure where not so much equity has been given up but it's putting them in a position where they're kind of set up to fail right because the rate and the, the payment is is not conducive to what their business model is and that's that kind of falls in that same category so we have products that fit the whole scope so if you really only qualify for that type of product you know we'll let you know and we'll probably talk you out of doing that and just say hey You should probably wait, you know, do X, Y, Z, and then revisit something. But because of the rise of all these additional funding sources, a lot of times they do such a good job at marketing their product that business owners will just jump because they'll say, yeah, we can get you $100,000. And then it comes and they're just excited because they didn't think they could qualify for that. So they take advantage and they do it. But just to know, you know, again, the proceeds, well, one, $100,000 might be more than they needed. Two... They don't need those, fund, those funds now. They need it down the line, but they're paying on it from day one, and they're therefore using those proceeds probably in ways they don't need to. So I, to, you know, again, I think it really just comes down to making sure that you don't know, jump on those offers. You really take time to to think it through and, and figure out if it's the right solution for you.
0: And I would imagine going back to your original answer, which is like find the right provider for this. Uh, you know, find the right company to help you out with this. It, I, getting Getting a referral is a huge deal. So you know, Lee, if you know someone who has had success getting funding from you know, a company before, you know it's it's I mean, a good referral, especially in the funding and financing business industry, means the world. I mean, that's how you know my respect for you guys really got even so deep is because i kept hearing from people over and over again how awesome you were doing for them and so that means a lot especially in this space so um you guys i want to go ahead and transition to uh bringing this all to a close i want you to guys to talk a little bit about how you work i mean you've done such a great job of giving an education about financing for business in general uh, give everyone listening an idea about how you guys work and what projects you guys have coming up.
4: Because we have so many pro- products, it makes it a little bit more challenging. Uh, well, it made it more challenging for us to set up the company initially. Um, but we did it in a very slow manner, right? Because we, we did it uh, based on the requests that we we're getting. So because of that, we have a pretty good understanding of, of how to handle an account from the moment it comes in until the moment it funds, and we do it pretty quickly. We develop our CPR form, uh, which is our intake form, that takes all of your information, puts it down on a piece of paper for us to analyze it, and then we take a consultative, t- consultative approach with you um, in order to identify you know, the, the what's good, what's bad, and what's really ugly, right? And once we identify those things, then we lay out your options for you. So you have option A, B, and C, you know, and as Skier said earlier, you know somebody may come in wanting a hundred thousand dollars now, and we may be able to give it to you now, but that doesn't make sense for you, right? So what makes sense is let's give it to you now. Uh, let let's give you fifty thousand now, and let's do twenty five thousand in three months, and then let's do twenty five thousand in six months. That we are not paying interest on everything. Um, so so that's really how we work. Uh, it's, it's more of a consultative manner. So we we don't push products onto you. We pull information from you in order to provide you the right product.
0: And you guys, I just want to make sure that this is clear. As of this moment in your business growth, you guys are not the funders. Like you guys are pretty much acting as the middleman behind and the, the, the consultant behind, you know, in between the person who's looking for the funding and you guys provide the, Hey, here's, let's figure out what you need, and here are all the different pieces that we can bring together to help fulfill what you need, right?
4: Exactly, exactly. And the reason that we did that is because we couldn't cover every single loan option out there, and we wanted to give the best solutions for customers, but we are working uh, currently on, we we, we actually filed a patent about three weeks ago, so we're in patent pending uh, right now. Uh, It's basically an underwriting tool that leverages technology in order to dig up more information on the uh, borrower so that you know, we can get a better understanding of who the borrower is in order to um, analyze the risk better so that we can give you better rates. So once that product is developed, which is probably w- within a year we'll have this product developed. Then we're going to raise capital and and really look at lending ourselves.
0: Very, very cool. You guys, thank you so much for being on the Money Moxie segment. Do yourselves a favor, go to synergisticfunding.com to find out more about Naeem and Kayor's business and how they might be able to help you. Uh, My personal uh, explanation is that they're just two very, very friendly guys who are here to help you out. That's why they're succeeding at business right now because they know how to give value in the marketplace. So um, go to the website, go check them out. You guys, thank you so much for being able to provide so much great information today. No problem. Awesome. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. Woo! All right, girl. We are coming up on the final segment of the show today, which is our product and tool review. So at the end of every show, I'll be doing a uh, some sort of a review over a business product or tool or software or some kind of thing. That we are using for our businesses um, that you can use. I want to give you kind of an insight so that maybe it's something that you might want to consider using for your business. Maybe it's something you've been kind of looking at from afar and you really want to hear more about it. So this is going to be that segment. Today, I'm reviewing Google Keep, and I have something very special for you. I've created a video tutorial. It's just a couple of minutes long. It's quick. It's to the point. It shows you all the pieces on how to use Google Keep. Um, So I'm going to give you this audio version, and then you can go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash keep, that's K-E-E-P, as in Paul, uh, and go get your free video. Go watch your free video. Uh, That, again, is bizwomenarock.com forward slash keep. Okay, so here's what Google Keep is. It is a Google tool, much like Gmail or Google Calendar, and it's a tool that you can use uh, for productivity's sake to be able to create lists, to keep notes about something, And what I love about Google Keep is that it connects to your phone. There's an app for it on your phone. So when you're on the move, you can write notes down from your notes and from all of those little things that you keep in there, you can create reminders. So let's say you're out at the doctor's office and you just remember, oh my gosh, I need to go get this. Uh, You can write it down in a Google Keep note. You can have it remind you when and you can specify when it's going to remind you uh, and it will do that you can also add people to certain notes so let's say that you create um, a note where you and a friend just had kind of a brainstorming session and you write some notes here in your google keep note you can add your friend onto that note so you guys can both see uh, that actual note uh, and you can collaborate on it You can also download the note directly into your Google Docs. So if you're a user of Google Docs um, or Google Drive, you can download that note as a Google Doc within your Google Drive, which is super awesome. And uh, one of the other components that I love about it, and this is really how I use it the most. Um, I use it for priority lists. Um, Rather than it looking like a notepad, I can have it look like a checklist. So every single week, every single Monday, I create like my top priorities for that week. And something that you're going to see in the video that I do is I categorize how I label everything um, uh, within the uh, checklist that I create. And as soon as you write something on the checklist, of course you can check it off, which gives me incredible amounts of satisfaction. And yes, I am that nerd who will put something on the darn list that I didn't even have on there that I've already completed just so I could check it off. Yes, that is me. Um, anyway, but once you write it on there, it's very easy to move that item up the list. So let's say you create a list of three things that you need to do for the week. And all of a sudden, by Wednesday, um, none of them are done, but the third one that you had on your list has become the number one priority. You can easily, with just a click, drag it up to the top, and now it's your number one thing. So um, anyway, there are so many great uh, components of Google Keep, in addition to it being very easy to use. I just love Google. I love all the tools that they have, and I love that it's kind of keeping everything succinct within um, all my Google system, which is really nice. So you can label all of your notes. It's easy to search for them. Just an awesome tool that I love. So again, Google Keep. I use it to create priority notes, um, to create um, you know, lists of what I need to do, top priorities. Um, I, I definitely use it for personal. I, I keep a running list and uh, kind of a notepad of surprise dates that I can take my husband Chris on. Uh, you can add photos to all of that stuff. So, you know, if there's a recipe that you see, you can take a picture of it. You can add it there to your notebook. Um, just really cool. I just love it, obviously. So go check out Google Keep. It's connected to your – you already have it if you have a Google account at all. Um, so go ahead and watch the video tutorial on how to do everything. Uh, it's pretty easy. Again, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash keep. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. Woo! Thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, So excited for this new format to be able to bring you some really cool stuff this way, okay? Um, Stay tuned for next week's show because the main event will be featuring yours truly, talking pretty in-depth and pretty openly about some of those very low and dark moments in business, which we all experience and how to get through them. Um, so I would love to have you listen to that. And we're going to be having a brand new segment called Biz Women Books, where we're going to be reviewing some pretty awesome books that can make amazing impacts on you and your business. So next week, we're going to be reviewing Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Woo! Woo! so excited about that all right thank you for being here make sure to go to bizwomenrock.com go get on the email list so you can get updated on everything that's going on within the biz women rock community okay have an awesome day